My name's Carly, and this is Toxic Workplace Antidote Edition, a series of bonus episodes where I talk to experts and thought leaders about toxic workplaces and how to survive them. In this episode, I talk to Laura Warnod, owner and consultant at The Culture Cabinet. Laura's personal story of resilience helped her find her calling and open the door to young entrepreneurship as a culture coach. You're going to love what Laura has to say. Today, I have Laura Warnod, a cultural architect, owner of the Culture Cabinet. She's a business coach and consultant. She helps companies rehumanize their workplaces, renovate their culture, and enhance employee experience. Hi, Laura. Thanks for coming on my podcast. Hey, Kelly. Good to hear from you. Yes, it's good to hear from you, too. So I found you on Instagram. If you aren't following Laura, she's the Culture Cabinet on Instagram. She shares great content, some funny reels. She's out of the UK. Laura, why don't you go ahead and let us know about your story, your background? Yes, so I'll introduce myself. My name is Laura. I am 26 years old. As Kelly said, I am consultant and business coach and a cultural architect. And so my goal is to reunite the workplace. And I was born and raised in Paris. Um, I left Paris when I was 19 years old to do my studies in the UK. I did my bachelor in London and then my master's degree at Warwick Business School. And I started working for uh, like a small fashion company in IT. So originally I was both passionate about fashion and technology and I wanted to find a way to combine those, those two passions. And I did a year there and it was great. I learned a lot of things IT related. I was looking after all the information systems for the company but I just wanted something new and and something more strategic in my day-to-day something that allowed me to be a bit more creative and so I found this job for this big fashion company in London and the role was transformation analyst and so at the beginning when I saw the job description I was like, okay, that's not really clear what they're asking for me. I knew that it was really related to, you know, taking care of employees and how we can implement strategies to improve employees' day-to-day work without specifying too much. And so I said, okay, let's let's go. It seems uh, more, in- it seems interesting and and more strategic. And so I started working there in October, twenty nineteen. <clears throat> And uh, interestingly, you know, I started working there and then three months in the pandemic started. And so I started working from home and it was interesting because I, you know, when you're three months in, you you don't build really strong relationship right away. You still need to find your marks and everything. So it was um, a challenging time, but I had the chance during January 2020 to talk for an initiative that we called Resilience Month, where we wanted people to kind of tell more about their story of personal resilience and 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 what they learned from it, and just explaining what resilience means really and why it's important to be resilient. And so I, I raised my hand, I volunteered to talk because I have a heavy resilience story myself and. The moment I did that talk, I, I felt like 
people were so impacted and so touched by my story that, you know, I understand directly that it was what I wanted to do with my life, which is, you know, impacting people's life in a positive way in the workplace. And so finding ways to just make workplaces better places to work, really. Um, and so I stayed there for two years and a half, um, where I learned loads of amazing stuff. But as the end, I just felt like my impact in terms of culture change was going to get more and more limited. And so I said, yeah, I, I knew that this was my, my call and, and my purpose. And so I said, let's do it for more organization on a, a higher scale and, yeah, and get into the, the consulting business. So you're in London at a huge fashion retailer and you're part of the team that enhances the culture there and you're at a, a company meeting about resilience and you raise your hand and you share your story of resilience. Do you mind sharing that with the listeners? Um, yeah, sure. Um so as I said, you know, I moved from France uh, when I was 19. I moved away to a foreign country, living my best life, really, and, you know, being a different co- in a different country, meeting international people and having this whole kind of university experience was just amazing. And my first year at university was was amazing, really. And, and yeah, and the, so at the end of the first year in July 2015, I actually lost my dad. Yeah, he he passed away uh, quite, um, you know, it was completely unexpected. And so that that event completely changed my life and changed me. It's been been quite a challenging journey from that day. But I learned so much stuff from it as well. Like, you know, the power of gratitude and surrounding yourself with true people, um, having a strong support system with people who are just present and and here for you, yeah, it's been it's been quite a tough time. But that's also what made me kind of the person I am today. And I think you know, although I have this this experience in the workplace, I think that a huge part of my purpose today is also related to that time in my life. So when I talk about that story and and about the business that I want to keep building. I'm also still learning on the way, you know, like I, I don't have it all figured out yet, but I'm just willing to take on the challenge and, and be brave about it because that story of losing my dad and, and stuff just made me realize how short life is and, you know, how how much it could be a waste to spend most of your life being unhappy and not doing the thing that really fulfills you and makes you happy. So. Um, so yeah, so I think that's uh, that that's that's still a process, really. I you know I haven't figured out everything, but I think I haven't been happier for a long time than how happy I am now because I'm just following my purpose and and following my dream, really. So yeah, you're following your heart. I think that's where you know people you follow your heart, but then also having the confidence that if you follow your heart, you're going to be successful. And I think that is a message a lot of people maybe don't hear. If you have a calling and you feel 
deep inside you have a purpose that's not a mistake. And if you follow it, it, you know, good things will come. And sometimes these things happen in our lives that change our trajectory. And it kind of opens your eyes to what you're capable of doing and that life is short. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that story, because I think that is a huge piece of who you are and why you've made these strides in your life. And I think that's important for people to hear. So thanks for sharing that. No problem. I mean, I think um, if you can own your story, then that's going to be so much, you know, fulfilling for you. And I think you know, sharing my my story of personal resilience. I think we we need to lead by example and and show people that it's so important to share those stories and just show courage for myself, but also for others who maybe do not dare to speak and or do not feel comfortable to, to bring that part of themselves out there. So I think that's that's so important because that also helps us to reconnect with each other. Absolutely, and it's easy to connect with others when you're being your true authentic self and when they're being their true authentic self. And you talk a lot about authenticity on your Instagram page and on your YouTube channel. How would you define authenticity? And how do you think that has an impact in the workplace? Yeah, well, I think, you know, if, if we have to kind of define what it means to be really your, your true authentic self is First of all, I think learning to know yourself and being aligned with yourself. So when I say learning, it's because I think it's a process that people might embark on and others don't. And they just go on with their life and, you know, they they don't necessarily try to understand why they act or think or feel a certain way. And, you know, that's also why some people have midlife crisis at some point is because they realize that, you know, they never live their life they live the life of someone else or play the role um, all along. And I think those people end up being a bit miserable at the end and they just change their life overnight. But and, and we're not blaming them, you know, because we live in a society where we don't accept differences because being different means being weird or being an outsider. So being yourself in 2022 means that, you know, you also need to, to show up and be brave and so how do you actually do that? Well, you need to listen to yourself and pay attention to yourself and try to be really connected to to who you are, to your thoughts, your emotions, your purpose. And I think that's really the, the, the beauty of being human is that adventure of waking up every day and getting closer and closer to knowing yourself fully. And that's one part. And then you need to also do some work on self-acceptance and, and self-love. I think that that's really hard in the world that we live in today, again, because of social media and perfection and ideal life and ideal body and relationship goals and so on. But I think it's really important that we all collectively start to understand that no one is perfect and that that's not real life, right? Being perfect to me means being authentic and accepting yourself fully, accepting the ugly and, and the flaws. And once you get to that point at the moment where you can feel a real sense of belonging and belonging to yourself, but also belonging to your environment and to your workplace, really. And so I think you, you end up being more comfortable showing yourself at work and trusting other people. You know, if you're not true to yourself, how can you really be true to other people? And I think there's a big part of 
kind of self-discovery and self-awareness. The organizations also need to create that safe space for people to be themselves and show up and, yeah, get out of their comfort zone, take on challenges. You know, if you create that environment for people, that just creates all the good stuff. Then it's like a snowball, really. It creates engagement, innovation and, and productivity and people feel more included and there's more communication and, and collaboration. And I truly believe that that creates happier and and kinder workplaces where everyone feels like in, in harmony with their team and, and the work that they they do. And let's get to the perspective of like a business owner, a CEO president, and they're listening and they're like, you know, that's great. People need to do self-work. That's on them. I'm trying to be profitable in my my company and we don't have time or resources to do that. Why is that important? What's Why should I be so concerned that people are um, feeling accepted? Like, how is that really going to help my bottom line? What would you tell somebody that's taking that sort of stance, kind of going against your message and, and your purpose, what you're, the message you're trying to get out there, because there are business owners out there that are like, yeah, this is all great, but this is not my main priority. And we're doing a pizza party every Friday. And to me, that's good enough. What would you say? Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I would say, you know, it's it's interesting because the other day I read a, an article from a dad added in the uh, Harvard Business Review, and he had a really good quote that says, the office is in society and society is in the office. I think employees are really the new customers. Yeah, I understand the fact of like doing profit and so on, but what we're seeing as well is that company leaders are now faced with huge social and societal and, and environmental and human pressure. And you know, when you, you look at the stakeholders now, the investors, the suppliers, the customers, the shareholders, um, they expect companies to take more responsibility on, you know, all those aspects. So when you look at like the time when capitalism was at its golden age and, you know, we were making lots of wealth in the 70s, 80s, we kind of forgot that initially companies have a purpose and they should have a positive one that really impacts our living conditions and, and, and so on. And so making more and more money and, and focusing so much on growth and strategy has taken so much space that they forgot how important purpose is as well to gain competitive advantage. And so with the rise of all the you know, challenges that we see in the world on you know, climate change and mental health and diversity and inclusion and, and equity, if those companies want to survive on the long run and, and stay attractive and be innovative and sustainable, they will need to completely transform the way they do work and, and their purpose from the inside out. Because, you know, if you, if you take the employees like customers that, that are the new customers, if you want to kind of answer the challenges of your customers, you do a market research and then you build your strategy to uh, make sure that your customers are going to buy your product. But if you do a market research on what your employees want, you realize that you're not really, you know, on point, right? The research is showing that too, you know. I truly believe that companies are like individuals and that 
you know, they have a soul. So what's going on inside will be reflected on the outside. And so, you know, there are more and more people as well voicing their experience, like what you're doing with this podcast, for example. And everyone starts to realize how incoherent it is with the, the way they act or, or what they do. So, yeah, I do think that if they want to stay in the race and, and keep being competitive, yeah, they need to, to listen to what's going on inside the organization and, and take responsibility for, for the action. So how can a company embrace this new emerging culture? What is it that needs to change? What do companies need to look at in order to make these sort of changes and put the employees first? It, what is it that needs to happen for this culture shift? Well, I think there's two things. It starts first with, with leadership, that's for sure. Workplace culture is a reflection of the leader's mindset and attitudes and behaviors and, and decisions. So if leaders want more authenticity, flexibility, compassion and, and empathy in the workplace, they will need to lead the way. And if it's not part of their innate abilities, then you know, I think like everyone else, they'll need to learn and and just get out of their comfort zone as well. And if they want to think, you know, it might be a bit um, direct, but I think they need to leave their seat to someone else because if they want to get it right and right for the company on the long run, then I think that's what they need to do. So it's a lot of learning and learning and connecting back to one another. And so I think that starts from here. Obviously, if the leaders build that vision and strategy for really like creating a a good workplace culture, and that they embark people on their journey, then there needs to be a bottom-up approach and a top-down approach. So that means first coming up from the leaders and then from the rest of the organization, because that's, I think that's a collective initiative for sure. We see leadership as, you know, this kind of end goal of people just wait all their life to be in some kind of position of authority to become a leader. But that's actually, you know, leadership does not equate with authority. And also it's not because you are in a position of authority that you are a leader. So I think you can be a leader, whatever your position in the organization is. So what would you tell somebody that is in an organization and they're not in a leadership role, but they feel like they are a leader or they have attributes of somebody with leadership skills. Um, they don't have necessarily the power to call the shots or make meaningful changes in the organization. How can somebody with that mindset become a leader, whether or not their title, their given title, is that um, of a high ranking in the organization? You know, if if you want to be uh, a leader in the organization, regardless of your position, it's really about finding an adaptive challenge, something that doesn't have any explicit solutions. So, for example, you know, you have, well, you have technical challenges and you have adaptive challenges. And technical challenges are things that, you know, we, we have the answers for. So, for example, you know, you're hungry, you go to the kitchen, you eat something. That's a technical challenge. But with adaptive challenge, it's actually things where you don't have any explicit solutions and you need to mobilize the right resources and narrow down your options and reflect and step back and ask questions and 
mobilize and so on so that you can get to that solution of that challenge so for example if your challenge is to transform you know you get a new job in in culture transformation like i had and you get in and you don't know anything about the organization or the ways of working well you need to do a lot of work in terms of you know analyzing how people work asking questions and, and reflecting and doing research and so on so that you can get closer and closer to finding that solution so i tend to take the example of greta thunberg for example you know she was just a young girl um 11 years old i think when she started to be a climate activist you know she's considered as the most influential environmental leader in the world now and she didn't have any kind of position of authority at the beginning but she managed to take on that challenge of fighting climate change really so yeah i think that's one way i think whether you're a leader or you're destined for leadership or you just want to show up to work and be part of a group setting and make money and make a living i think what's important for people to remember is they have to stick up for themselves and and stick to what they believe in and understand what are their values and what are their set morals. And does that align with what the company's doing or, or what their colleagues and what their boss is doing? You know, and here's the thing, if you stick up for what you believe in or you're confident in your convictions and your employer fires you for being yourself or for standing up for what you believe in, then that's a good thing. Be grateful that true colors came out and that you were forced into a new opportunity. Ultimately, we need to remember who we are and what we stand for. I think that's a huge part of this culture shift. A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think what you said about sticking up to yourself, I think we forgot about that for a very long time. And it's so sad to see some people going to work and leaving their humanity in the closet every morning and, and putting back on on their way home. Uh, it shows how, you know, companies are not creating environments for people to to just to just be happy. If they quit their job or, you know, if they get fired, then as you said, I think I think that's a good thing. And I think, you know, companies that are recruiting and so on, they, they even recruit people that are already in the workplace. So if you, you know, if you're not happy in your work, there's, there's other companies who are going to come in and, and get you as well. So. I think that's also why even if if you're not happy at work, it's not about yourself at all. It's it's also a big responsibility from from companies. So, yeah, no, I, d I definitely agree with that. Um, and I think that's also why there's such a, an urgency almost for for companies to, to change that internally. Which is really kind of what led you into what you're doing now. You know, you had a great job. You were in a metropolis i mean you had that like dream i think a lot of new graduates and college students dream about of going to the big city and getting a job with a big fancy company and they see those superficial the title and and the whole idea of it and then they get inside the doors and they realize well this isn't what i was kind of picturing all through college but yet they still hold on 
because they've been painting this life in their head for four or five years and now they've got it. So I think that says a lot about you that you followed your gut. I mean, the workplace that you were in, it wasn't a horribly toxic workplace, right? I mean, it wasn't like soul crushing for you. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you know, there's different different levels in terms of how do you define a toxic culture to a good culture to a very good culture. I think, as you said, that all comes down to who you are and your values. And, you know, maybe the organization that I was in before, it's a really good culture for some people. It was a good enough one for me, but not enough so that I felt happy um, on a day to day. And I think that that's also what made me realize that I didn't want to stay here for the rest of my life is because at some point I was getting really unhappy and I felt it because I was not aligned with some of the values that I've seen in in the workplace. I guess, you know, even though I'm really grateful for a lot of things that I learned there um, because I, I grew there so much and I you know, I discovered my purpose there. So I'm I'm really grateful to that. And I worked with really great people too. But I feel there were so many small stuff happening on the day to day that were really bothering me. Um, and I think, you know, to give a, a, a high level example, it's that on one hand, it's really good that the company was actually making sure that we have strategies to improve the culture of um, of the organization. But at the same time, it's almost it felt almost like they did it because uh, it looked good or, you know, as a tick box exercise, because there's a lot of image there as well from companies showing their customers that, you know, they are diverse, that they are inclusive, that they are environmental friendly and so on. But again, it's either you do it full in or you you full out. And I felt like they were they had the intention of changing things but they don't want to put any uh big resources in it i was the only one uh looking after the the culture of the department for 300 people and i didn't have budget for a very long time so i think you know yes it's good that you have the intention but at the same time if you don't put the 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 resources in it to make sure that change will happen then, you know, it's it's almost like culture washing or something. And so although, yeah, although it was not that toxic in terms of, you know, I didn't feel like I had any abusive behaviors towards me or stuff like that, but it just didn't align with my values at some point. So it's an, it's an important thing for people <laughs> to hear because I think when they hear toxic workplace or workplace abuse or bad corporate culture, they think, oh, it must be something that's like hitting you in the face and just so mm. clear. And really, it's very subtle from mm. my previous work experience. It's like, it's hard to see. It's really not what you think it's going to look like. Which in some cases, you know, and and on some of the episodes on my show, there are clearly, clearly highly toxic things going on. But then, like you say, there's no real measure or definition of what toxicity looks like. And Mm. having lack of real morals and values within a corporate culture, Mm. you start to feel it. And if you have, I think that kind of plays into knowing your own values and knowing 
mm-hmm. your authentic self and really understanding what that means is going mm-hmm. to be the best gauge for anybody that's in a mm-hmm. workplace to understand if the place they're in aligns with who they are and what they believe or not. And so yes. I, I think what you're doing and what your social media platform and your YouTube channel is giving people these tools because it really starts with us, right? It starts with the people mm-hmm. that make up these workplaces. If, if we collectively can start learning what it means to be authentic and compassionate mm-hmm. and understanding and trust, to me, these are like ancient humanities that go back for the start of mankind. And I think we're sort of losing touch of those basics mm-hmm. in today's yeah. world because, you know, we are changing and we're sort of getting away from organized religion and we're kind of waking up to see, I mean, this is a whole nother topic of like the shift away. And I'm not even going to really dive into this because that's, that's not what I'm trying to do. But, but religion has been a huge part of humanity. I would say forever, forever. And we're kind of getting away from that, I would say, like the younger generations, because mm-hmm. of the corruption that happens in in organized religion, the dogma, and we're kind yeah. of like turned off by that. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, I can relate to that so much. And I think, you know, it's it's so interesting that you're saying that because I've never been a religious person myself. And I feel, although there are a lot of, terrible consequences or events happening in the world because of religion and, and, you know, yeah, some of the ideology around it and so on. I get the part where people need something to believe in. Like you need to have that kind of spiritual energy as a, as a a human being. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think just as you said, as we're slowly moving from, that need for religion you still need to have that kind of belief in something because when you think about purpose and you know having a why to walk with every day having a a cause that you want to you know that that you believe in then somehow it's spiritual as well right Mm -hmm. and i think yeah getting to know yourself so much that you know who you are, you know your values, you know what you stand for, and you know what you want to achieve in the world. It's, it's so powerful, and I think that's what's going to really change workplaces as well, because it's on the individual level, as you said, but there's also a, a collective, collective conscience. And even from an organization perspective, organization are you know, they need to recenter towards what's their purpose as an organization. They have so much power, so much, you know, money. Sometimes some companies are even more powerful than, than some countries in the world, right? Right. And they could use that power to make so much good, mm-hmm. you know, and really impact positively the lives of, of people. I think there's a real need individually and collectively and at mm-hmm. the organizational level to recenter back to that thing of, you know, why are we here? Which it really brings up something which you really don't hear this discussion a lot. At least I haven't. Religion, I've always been fascinated by it because, you know, there's something there that definitely calls to me. I think 
everybody yeah. has some the some source of spirituality inside them yes. no matter what religion you are it all boils down to these virtues that you talk about about compassion uh, forgiveness, mm-hmm. authenticity. And I think authenticity, you talk a lot about like the soul inside you, your spirit, and then yeah. honoring that everybody has that. And so the part of our lives where we're gathering with others, the workplace, the companies, and you're saying they have the power, it almost feels like over time, could companies sort of start instilling these morals and values in a different way. You know, it's not like you need to show up at 12 so we can break bread and do the sign of the cross, you know, (laughs) like, that's not where I'm going with this. But like, sort of start taking on this role in people's lives as I go to work to be profitable and support my family. But then also work gives me a sort of outlet of finding my purpose in a different way. And I kind of getting that sense collectively, people like you who are uh, sort of preaching these values and morals, I can definitely see some cutting edge companies sort of kind of taking on that role. And you do see it like yoga in the workplace or meditation in the Mm -hmm. workplace, uh, holistic food, you know, this sort of like new awakening of the self and workplaces are incorporating that in. And I think that is a huge culture piece that is going to grow more and more and more. That's the piece that you're looking to bring into the organization. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think the part when you said, you know, people are starting to say, yes, I'm going to work with you know, because I, I need to make the company profitable and, and earn money for my family. But I also go to work because the work that I do gives me purpose. And sometimes people don't, they don't necessarily know why they're here, or what's their purpose, and that's fine. But if they work for an organization that has a really strong purpose, whether it's, you know, whether it's on on, on the planet or on improving people's lives or improving people's health and so on, then for those people who go to work every day, working for those organizations, if, you know, it gives them a sense, it gives them meaning to what they do, right? So I think, I think that's so important. And that's why I was saying earlier that I think organizations, sorry, need to rethink about their purpose and, and recenter on, on why they exist because, Yes, they've been focused so much on making profit and and especially short ones, short short term profit and, and so on that they forgot about why they were created in the first place. You know, if you look at Facebook, for example, I think its purpose is something like uh, make the world more open and, and connected. Somehow, yes, it started this way, but is it actually making us that connected and and that open now? Is what's happening inside the organization that Facebook really reflecting their purpose? I don't know. And I think when you have that kind of disconnection as well, Mm -hmm. uh, it's dangerous, I think, for for the organization, I mean. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think this also brings up something that's important for organizations that I've been thinking about a lot lately is the more transparent a company is, the more they can become trusted by their employees. In the past, it's always kind of like behind, you know, behind the curtain. What's going on behind the curtain? And I think the more companies can be transparent, the more this sort of culture can grow the more people feel like they're part of the decision making and they understand what the issues are and they understand where the leaders are going and they and it aligns with what's happening and it aligns with the culture you'll be able to implement these sorts of things and it's de- it's definitely not easy especially if a culture's been in place for for decades People are resistant to change, especially the generations that have been in the workforce. Like as we become the older generations, this mentality is really going to take hold. Yeah, well, I I hope so, and I think that's also that that also comes down to to the customers as well, because you know if we collectively have that mindset, if customers are changing the the, the way they are consuming, if they are changing their the mindset to then investors are going to want to put money in, in, in those places too, you know, in, in investing money in just making the world a better place. And so at that point, then there's going to be some friction between investors and, and leaders who've been there in the organization for a very long time, and they'll have no other choice than changing the way they do things. So I think that's going to go as like a natural process um, at at some point um for sure but i think it's yeah but i think it's key that we keep on you know talking about those things and that um we encourage workplaces to um to, to change in that way and one yeah. of the things you said um that i really loved um you said mm-hmm. employees are the new customers i love that it's so true because mm-hmm. previous to this it was like customers are already are always right. It's all about customer service. And I do agree, you know, if people are coming to your business to purchase your services or your product, it, you should mm. make the customer happy mm. and, and create a customer experience. But how can your employees create a wonderful experience for customers if they themselves are miserable? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. And I think that's, you know, that's, that goes back to the point earlier when I said the office is in society and society is in the office. Now you can't, you, you cannot um, make good business if your employees are, you know, are not happy. And I think if tomorrow all your employees were to quit, how are you actually going to do business? Right. Employees right. are becoming the most important asset for organization above profit and so on and even you know if you think about it if you take care of your employees if you have like the best culture this is actually gonna improve your performance as an organization even more so it's only a win for organization to take care of their employees right which is why kind of going back to that discussion on a business owner or a leader being like, why should I be so concerned that this is something mm-hmm. my employees are experiencing? I just, we need to get work done. We need to be profitable. It's like, but you're missing the whole point here, yeah. <laughs> right? You're kind yeah. of like missing the whole point of why they're coming to work. And 
you got to either change or get out of the way because if you're a business leader or an owner, a company owner, and you're not embracing this, your type of company is going to quickly be defunct because there's going to be new companies emerging that embrace this sort of mindset. And that old school mentality over time is just going to be it's just not it's like looking back at the early 1900s and being like I can't believe they you know functioned this way that's what's going to happen yeah 100% and I think that's going to change even more with the new generation you know the um I'm a early late millennium but Mm -hmm. I think the Gen Z are definitely you know going to 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 preach that more and more and they they never the research shows that they don't want to work for organizations that um, you know don't value them that um, for leaders that are not accountable for organizations that are not sustainable uh, so that's definitely going to change with the new workforce coming in into place in the next years soon I mean it's, yeah. I think what yes it, Gen Z is like 19 born in 1996 you're right on the cutoff right you're 95 I think Gen, yeah, Gen yeah. Z starts in 1996 and they're yes. already like 25, 24 years old, um, starting in the workplace. And so I think we're going to really see new ideas coming out. And with social media, with the transparency that our cell phones and, and the, the platforms yes. that people have now, people are, you know, recording this, this is being everybody's recording their experience. And it's really going to force companies to change I, I i do have hope it's just going to you know i don't know the timeline when or how but i think mm. what you're doing you're right at the right time so you're located in london correct yes correct. um and so your services you're a cultural architect and a consultant coach and what does your typical client look like well, I guess at that point now, that starts with leadership. If leaders in, in organizations come to me and say, we're ready to make a change, that's our challenges, and that's the culture that we want in the next couple of years, then I'll be able to help. But then, you know, maybe some organizations are a little bit further than that, and, you know, leadership are doing all the best they can to actually implement that, but they have some kind of um, I don't know, blockage in the organization. Maybe they work too much in silos and it's difficult to spread out this new culture. So I, I come into place as well to help with that. And yeah, I do all sorts of services from big long-term strategy consulting to coaching teams to doing workshops Yeah, with organizations. So are you specific to the UK? You're from Paris. So are you yes. France and the UK? Are you d- interested in working in the States? I mean, yes, I'll be definitely interested to work in the States. Um, I think that's also the, the beauty of the new world we live in is that when you're working for yourself, being um, you know, consultant, freelancer or entrepreneur, you can work from anywhere really i am open to to any locations and anyone from anywhere can follow you on instagram at the culture cabinet i'll put a link to that in the podcast notes 
Laura is hilarious. She does a great job at reels. And I know I told you this when we first talked, but (laughs) you are hilarious. If anyone's ever tried to make a reel, it's not easy, let me tell you. And Laura does a great job. She has great content. So if you're not following her on Instagram, follow her now. Also, she has a great YouTube channel, The Culture Cabinet. I'll put another link for that. Subscribe to her channel today. The website that you're about to roll out, I'll put a link to that as soon as the website is up and running. That's theculturecabinet.com. It's a work in progress. Yes, yes, it is. It's work in progress. I'm I'm working on it right now. It's taking some time uh, on top of everything else, but it's it's going to come very soon. So yeah, watch out for that. Well, Laura, thank you for coming on the podcast and talking with me just from speaking with you and seeing what you're doing on social media and other platforms. I'm really excited to see where your career takes you. I know we'll be in touch and some future conversations are definitely in store. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, I'll be up for it for sure. And while you're following Laura on social media, make sure you follow this podcast, Toxic Workplace Podcast, on Instagram, Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. And if you're enjoying listening to this on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave a positive review. It helps people find the show. And if you've been in a toxic work experience and you want to share your story, you can go to the website toxicworkplacepodcast.com and click on be a guest. Fill out the submission form. It will shoot it over to me and I will be in contact and we can go from there. All right. Well, that's all we have today from Laura and myself. Thank you for listening.